Welcome to Wildly Human, formerly the Lighthouse Human Design Podcast. And this is season three of the podcast. And this time we're going to be talking about relationships and stories and having conversations and musings through the relationships with ourselves, with others, with body and soul. So this is how we human together wildly and imperfectly with love. And today I have Ellie Cleary on the podcast and I just had such an amazing conversation with her about um, astrocartography and she is a human design reflector and we've been uh, good friends for about for a little over a year now um and she's just such an amazing and wise person so i can't wait for you to hear this episode so um let's get started Cleary here and she's just been so awesome to be in communication with over the past maybe over a little like a little over a year yeah um she is uh a reflector so being this this is being a human design podcast um I like to share what my guests are uh, as far as human design goes. So she's a reflector and she uses her intuitive gifts and knowledge of astrology. She's got so much knowledge about astrology that I'm sure we're going to talk a bit about it um, here on the call. And she uses that to guide her fellow travelers home as an Aquarius moon and rising with Pleiadian starseed connections she knows a thing or two about the long search for belonging and Ellie has spent the last seven years traveling full-time and is the founder of soul travel India and soul travel blog, where she shares stories from the roads that she's traveling along. And I have seen um, just in the past year, just your awesome photos on Instagram. And um, I took a look at your blog and it's just been really cool to see all of your travels in India. So um, welcome. Welcome to Wildly Human. <laughs> Thanks for Thank joining you, me today. Corinne. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here with you. And uh, yeah, just to connect with you in a space. It's been um, 
yeah, it's been such a journey, like connecting, getting to know each other in different ways over the last year. So yeah, happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I think that when we first connected over a year ago, um, we found out that we were both Aquarius moon and it was like, oh, of course, like she's kind of, she's like my, uh, Aquarius moon soul sister. So, um, but we've been talking a little bit about just different planetary placements and (laughs) how, you know, we have some other things in common as far as, um, that goes, but, um, I wanted to actually talk first a little bit about um, the astrocartography because I had been doing readings for that um, maybe like three or four years ago. And I just kind of stopped diving into it, even though I kind of know like where my lines and things like that are. Um, I haven't really revisited it that much, but mm. um yeah, tell us a little bit about what that is. I think a lot of people maybe not, don't even know what. Yeah, that is. it's it's such a great tool. It's um, something that I kind of came across by accident um, with obviously the traveling. I, I realized, you know, that we can feel so different in different places. Um, so I got curious about that and kind of why that is. And this was at a time when I'd been moving around a lot. Um, and I was trying to understand like why, why things were not going as they, as they should in inverted commas in my mind at that time. Um, I then found out I was living on my Saturn line, so that wasn't really helping. Um, but yeah. yeah, it's, it's fascinating kind of, it's, it's a real rabbit hole and it's also such a powerful way to use astrology for those people who, who love to kind of tap into those different energies who are kind of, I would say like, you know, traveling souls at heart and in some way, shape or form, we're kind of looking to find, I think this is something hopefully that you will resonate with as an Aquarius moon as well. Like looking to find that kind of place that we belong the most, like literally what is our place in the world? Mm. And, you know, with, as with all good things, astrocartography doesn't really have one answer but it has several answers so it's very simply put it's a representation of the different planets as they fall on the map at our time of birth so we have lines that go through the map for each of the planets so we have like a venus line a sun line um we also have a chiron line or a pluto line and we have you know without going into too much detail we also have four different versions of those lines as they cross our ascendant our descendant, and then the midheaven and IC as well. So there are different qualities of this line as well. And um, it can be really useful depending on kind of what we're looking for in our lives. So if we're looking to meet our ideal partner, the perfect place for that is to go and live on your on your Venus DC line. <laughs> um, oh, cool. Descendant. Uh, so yeah, there's so many kind of different ways that Um, that this can be used and it's also I'm a fan of of I would say archetype driven astrology so slightly more kind of the shamanic school of of astrology kind of way of thinking although that's not exclusively what um, you know what I study but it helps us to kind of tap into the archetypes and the energies available within these lines as well so I found it um over the last few years I've been traveling kind of fascinating to just look and see 
see what energies are there and it's helped to explain a lot as well when it's come to different kind of experiences of living in different places too so yeah um you know I mean they say that (laughs) they say that JFK was killed on his Pluto line (laughs) whether that's true or not I haven't checked oh my gosh you know that kind of gives the flavor of it now that's not to say that if you go to your Pluto line you're going to (laughs) die absolutely (laughs) not we hope not but there is this you know with the Pluto the scorpionic energy there is that essence of transformation death and rebirth so there is that part of us that may also be uh, always be kind of dying and being reborn so you know that's amazing energy if you want a quick transformation if you feel like you need to move through things quickly if you feel like you want to kind of move through catharsis and start again or really kind of like lay something to rest but equally it's maybe not the the most (laughs) easy energy to live on for instance um you could say the same with uh with Chiron for instance we were just talking about (laughs) before we before we hit record but um Chiron is is the wounded healer and it's the wound which runs really deep and, and, you know, we work with our whole lives and we also use that power to heal uh, with others as well. So there is also a car online, which could be an amazing place, for instance, to go to a retreat if we want some healing. Uh, but it equally may not be, you know, a super easy place to kind of carry out our day to day lives without having to confront some of those those wounds. So there are so many different things um, and using, I would say, astrocartography has helped me to to process really kind of what kind of transformational energy I'm accessing when I travel together with, you know, just kind of tapping into what is the intention of this journey or what is kind of the intention of, of where I want to be now. So yeah, that's <laughs> kind of a very long-winded answer to your question. Uh, but yeah, that's just a little bit of, I guess, of a kind of um, intro into, into the some of the kind of keys that, that it holds for me. Yeah, that's so fascinating because I don't think I've ever had anyone explain it that thoroughly. I kind of just like threw myself into the, <laughs> down, the down the rabbit hole. Um, so that's, that's so interesting what you had to say. Well, before we talk a little bit more about like planets and stuff, because I have some questions about that. Um, it's it's interesting that you brought up that you look to certain um, planets where your lines are um, to see what kind of transformation you might experience in different places. And mm. that's kind of um, a big theme for you in your travel, right? In your in, in your business, right? The transformational travel. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, it's, I mean, my background has always been in tourism. I worked in corporate tourism. It's kind of always, I think, been, been a part of who I am with the, with the Sagittarius midheaven. Um, yeah. But it's, I would say, I mean, I'm 39 now. Um, I would say kind of, you know, in the last few years, the last yeah, last sort of five, six or so years, travel has kind of changed for me in terms of it's it's definitely not a thing. There's nothing wrong with this. It's not a thing about, you know, checking off countries or places. It's more about what is the inner journey, which is mirroring the, the um, outer journey. Mm. I'm a strong believer. Um, so my main uh, work in travel right now focuses in, on India 
it's a country that I absolutely fell head over heels in love with um, around eight years ago now when I went there for the first time, but it's a place that I had felt called to go my entire life. And it became very clear to me that for some of us, traveling is, is not, and whether it's a vacation, whether it's a retreat, whether it's a lifestyle, um, it almost like it is a privilege, but it, and I want to be mindful of that, but it's also, I think for some of us doesn't really feel like a choice. It kind of becomes part of who we are and how we grow. And one of the most powerful things I think for me has been that, you know, this, you know, we, it's so easy to kind of get bogged down in the day to day to kind of like, you know, have our, our blinkers on and to be a little bit rigid. But when we do go outside of our normal day-to-day surroundings, when we go to different places, not only can we access different energy, but we start to see things in different ways and we start to see ourselves better too. So those are kind of a few, a few aspects, I would say, of, of the transformation that feels really powerful for me. And in my experience, most of my clients who are looking to travel to India, um, and especially, you know, powerful women who are in touch with their divine feminine. Um, it's not an accident. So it's not like just, it's not like just hopping to, I don't know, the Caribbean. For, I mean, nothing wrong with the Caribbean, yeah. right? Not, it's not just like hopping on a plane to the Bahamas for a weekend getaway or, you know, to France for a weekend getaway. It's, it feels like a pilgrimage in some way, shape or form. Mm-hmm for people who are kind of called to go there and there is kind of that potent energy. It's almost as if there are, there are um, unique initiations that are waiting for us in different places. And some places are more conducive than, than others. We have different kind of experiences and joys, delights, challenges, sometimes waiting to kind of greet us that help us to evolve and, and transform. So that's a little bit of kind of the, yeah, the realm that I work with, with travel with. So it's all about kind of tapping into what does this journey hold for us? Like what is calling us? Yeah. Um, so do you have Chiron or, or any, or what was the other one? Um, oh, Pluto in somewhere around India. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting actually. Um, I, I have, so I'm from London originally. I'm from the UK. What is interesting is that I have very similar lines running through the UK as through India. So it's exactly the same lines, but aspecting different um, quarters of my chart. Oh, cool. So I have Jupiter conjunct Jupiter and Uranus running through <laughs> both. Um, but in the UK, they're on my ascendant. And in India, they're on my descendant, which is more my kind of area of partnerships. So that is interesting. I actually don't have my Pluto line running through India. I have my Venus line running through India. And what is very interesting is to me (laughs) um, is that uh, the place that I was first called to visit in India was Varanasi or Banaras, which is, I don't know if you've heard about it. Have you heard about Varanasi? Yeah. Yeah. So it's this, I'd seen it on a TV show and I was just like, I have to go there. That's it. (laughs) So when I took my, when I quit corporate, I was like, okay, I need to travel. I need to find answers. 
um the first place I knew I was going was Varanasi so I booked a trip to India and I was like I'm going to Varanasi I don't care where else I go I am going to this place like I have to find you know I have to be there and then of course <laughs> a few years later I find out that not so my Venus is in Zenith which is basically a power spot um over Varanasi and it's kind of ironic because Varanasi is one of the oldest civilizations in the world it's um where Hindus believe if you die in Varanasi or if you're cremated in Varanasi, you achieve moksha, which is the Hindu um, equivalent of, of freedom. You are released from the ongoing cycle of reincarnation. Wow. So it's a very powerful spiritual place. And for me, kind of Varanasi is that ultimate plutonic energy of death and rebirth. Like we are literally coming and going, you know, hour by hour, minute by minute, people are coming and going. You know, you walk along the, the Ganges riverfront in Varanasi and you will see bodies burning and you will people, see people dancing in celebration. So it's this very potent experience, which is very plutonic. And for some people, it's very confronting. For some people, it's very potent. Everyone has their own kind of uh, different experiences. Personally, my nervous system loves it. Um, and I can't quite explain why, um, but I do know that the, the Venus energy is very strong for me there, which, and the reason I say ironic is because, um, is because Venus is, is actually in fall in Scorpio. It's, it's Scorpio is a Mars ruled sign. Um, it's more of that kind of masculine energy of decay. It's not traditionally what we associate with Venus, which is more the opposite, um, so so yeah that's <laughs> that's a little bit about that what I would add to that story as well is that um I actually found myself back in Varanasi this year this Christmas uh-huh um again I like I this time I hadn't really planned it out I went back to India in October 2021 to start updating content for my India travel website Soul Travel India which had basically been on hold for two years. Obviously, you know, everything was, was kind of, uh, was, was, you know, parked because of COVID. Um, but yeah, I decided to go back and I wasn't sure what my plans would be for kind of Christmas, New Year, but at this, you know, at some point I just felt called to go back to Varanasi. Um, I hadn't really kind of planned much. And now looking back and having gone through that experience. So I was in Varanasi on the dates where we were not only going through a Venus retrograde. Oh my gosh. But I was there, I arrived on the day that Venus was conjunct, which means next to Pluto. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> so it's like you literally cannot make the stuff up. And this is kind of the magic I feel of, of you know, astrology and astrocartography when you combine it with this journey of exploration of, of travel. Um, so those energies were, um, very potent and I found myself being, I was taken on an underworld journey, um, metaphorically, a, a very cathartic emotional journey that I had no idea was waiting for me. It was all based on the people that I met around that time. Um, it was also the beginning of my Pluto square Pluto cycle that I'm currently going through, like kind of within a couple of days of arriving, it just, it, it hit in, it got within um within orb so 
this kind of, yeah, so all of these cycles just kind of came together and what followed was this incredibly intense, challenging, beautiful <laughs> emotional release um, for kind of, you know, around 10 days. So it remains a very special place for me. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so So that is a little bit on the on the um on the lines in India for me yeah I think um I might so I had heard of Varanasi before but I I think when I saw you posting about it um there was something about the pictures I don't know but I was like or maybe it was the description that you wrote in your post about it I was like this is that's where I want to go because Mm -hmm. I, I could feel I could feel it in your post Mm. that that was a magical place for you. Yeah. It's, it's like, if you feel it, then you feel it. And somehow that energy comes through. So I think, I really believe that all of us have these places within ourselves as well as, you know, in the world Mm -hmm. that help us to kind of tap into that, um, to that powerful communication um and powerful kind of energy really powerful kind of way of being it's interesting um you know a few people said that they were like wow you know I can I could feel what you wrote and I could feel it too you know there are days when if you're a writer you know as well right there are days when we we (laughs) writing (laughs) feels like you know (laughs) hard work and there are days when it just flows and it comes from a place that doesn't really feel like it's part of us that's channeled or it's um you know, just kind of source wanting to express itself. And that's definitely how, how Varanasi felt for me. <laughs> I also managed to, I'm not someone who finds, you know, the law of attraction and all of that stuff super easy. Um, I'm not someone who, you know, can sit here and say I've manifested loads of things, but I mm-hmm. arrived in Varanasi with the idea or, you know, beforehand I thought it would be nice to get some photos taken with me and for my blog. Um so I'd set this intention out of, you know, getting a photo shoot and I had no idea how it was going to happen. And on the first day I arrived, I was approached by a group of student photographers who were like, can we please, you know, go out with you on a boat and do some photos for Instagram. I was oh, like, that's so awesome. Cool. <laughs> so so <laughs> that was, that was Venus. Yeah. <laughs> and, and ungrateful to her. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> so how long did you stay there this, this, past trip uh so I was only there for about 10 days um but it was yeah it felt very potent and very magical um and it marked a big transition yeah on many on many fronts for me personally you know um even though it looked different to what I expected kind of like leaving behind some old patterns some old cycles that I was processing and it also kind of marked a transition in my journey in India as well. I'd spent um, seven weeks this time in the, so generally I try to go every year for at least a few weeks, uh, if not months. Um, I'd been in Northern India and this was at the point where when I left there, I um, then headed South to, to Goa. So, so yeah, it kind of marked a right of transition. And what I also want to share, you know, if people are thinking, you know, this sounds great, but I can't go traveling for months or, you know, I can't go to these places. I think one of the powerful things about astrocartography is that it shows us 
how we can access these energies by going to places, but also if we can't go to those places just by working with, um, you know, the energy in different ways. So, you know, if it's India, like looking at the culture, can we work with people from that place? So if, you know, if our Venus line or if our Mercury line, let's say, if we're, if we're you know, looking to communicate and um, share something with the world and we have a Mercury line that we want to kind of work with, can we tap into that by connecting with people from that place, by learning about that place? Um, I don't know, say it's in Germany. Can we uh, serve a German market? Can we start to learn German? Can we um, maybe go to like a German meetup or I don't know, different things. So there are different ways to kind of tap into the energy, which which don't always um, involve physically going there as well, I would say. Yeah, <clears throat> that's a good point because um, I was I, I was looking at, you know, over the past two years, like when we basically couldn't really travel. Um, I, I realized that I have a very auspicious planetary situation going on <laughs> over Greece. I love it. Oh, wow. <laughs> and um, I've never, and then I, a few months later, I found out that I have Greek ancestry. And so oh, wow. I was like, that's interesting. And I've never been there. Um, for, I, you know, I thought, several times that I wanted to go and I um, love this very cheesy movie called Mamma Mia. It was the, the only, it's the only Broadway play that I've ever seen was Mamma Mia. <laughs> Someone just like walked up to me and a friend from France and gave us tickets on the street because they were like, my date didn't show up. So here's tickets to see Mamma Mia. And so oh, we went. Wow. And, um, and I was like, that is, that was like way better than I thought it was going to be, <laughs> but it kind of gave me like this idea, like, oh, I really love Greece. And so that, you know, it kind of gives me a little bit of like Hawaii vibes sometimes because mm. the water and, um, the volcanic nature of it, but, um, and the, the mythology is actually quite similar in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I, yeah, I found out that I have this planetary placement situation going on over Greece. And I was like, well, I wonder how I can work with that now, um, based on, you know, the fact that I can't really go there. So, and, and so I, I went on, um, Duolingo, mm -hmm. the kind yeah, of yeah. Love app that I've been using for the past, I don't know, since they first started <clears throat> and, um, yeah, so I've been learning a little bit of Greek on Duolingo, <laughs> but now that everyone everywhere is kind of opening up more, um, we're taking a look at it again as far as going. Um, but flights are pretty expensive right now to go abroad, so we're gonna keep it close for now. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, firstly, like, what an amazing place to have an auspicious setup. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah, Greece, beautiful. And, and I also love that, you know, you were gifted those tickets to see Mamma Mia. I know. <laughs> like that feels, that doesn't feel like an accident to me. Um, yeah, the first thing that was coming up when you were saying about, you know, how can you, how can you tap into that was, uh, was cooking. 
So I don't know if you like Greek food. I do. Um, I love it. So yeah, things like that. And I love the Duolingo too, learning some of the language. Yeah, watching movies, reading. Have you read um, Captain Corelli's Mandolin? No, you know what? I think... Is By there Louis, a- Louis de Bernier. There's a, there's a movie. Yeah, movie I was going to say, I think yeah. I might have seen the movie a long time ago. Yeah. Or, yeah. Is it good? <laughs> it's it's an amazing... <laughs> it's so funny. I always remember the story at the beginning of the book. It's, it's this typical, you know, older older Greek uh, couple, granny, grandma, grandpa, um, on this small island called Catalonia. And the story begins with, you know, the wife complaining because her husband never listens to her and the husband complaining because he can't hear her because he has this pee that's stuck in his ear that's been stuck in his ear since he was a kid and so he can't hear things properly and he goes to like you know the village doctor or whatever and eventually like someone gets this pee out that's like been lodged in his ear for for decades um (laughs) this is not the main like storyline of the book at all but for some reason it's what stays with me and by the end of the book He's begging to have the pee put back in his ear so he can't hear his wife moaning at him. But it's, it's you know, it's at its essence a love story during the Second World War. Um, but, yeah, it's just set on this beautiful romantic island of Kefalonia um, in the Ionian Islands. Mm-hmm. So, which um, a couple of my friends actually just went to for their honeymoon. So there you go. Um, nice. Yeah. But what a beautiful place to have. Um, do you know which planets you have running through there? Which lines? I think it is Venus, actually. Yeah. 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 And I, I also, so I live in Hawaii and um, when, so circling back to like, when you first said you lived on your Saturn line, I was like, oh my gosh, because I live on my Saturn line right now. Uh-huh. Um, and I used to live on, so I live on the big Island, um, where the active volcanoes are. And, um, I used to live on Oahu. And so my Jupiter line was on, went through Oahu. Mm -hmm. And, um, I feel like it it was just like a retreat for me, like all the time there. (laughs) So just, I don't know. I, I felt very alive and just um, at home there. And I think it's my descendant line that's through both. Um, okay. <laughs> and so uh, Oahu does, it feels like home. And then uh, here, you know, we, we moved to the mainland for a while and then we came back and um, we live on the big island now right on right on my Saturn line <laughs> and so it's a much different experience I have to say <laughs> from living on my Jupiter line <laughs> yeah I can imagine I was gonna ask you so do you have um do you have Jupiter and Saturn quite close together in your natal chart do you know um so I know it sounds like they're quite close together yeah so I have both Jupiter and Saturn in the gate 46 um which is uh libra so yeah okay yeah yeah so it's interesting so the reason i ask is because obviously i mean well not obviously but um you can't get more different energies right than jupiter and saturn <laughs> you know yeah. jupiter is like one of well one of ever you know one of the favorite planets the happy go lucky benefic you know um 
luck is on your side, go big, the mm. philosopher, the traveler. <laughs> um, and then Saturn like, not until you've done your homework. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's interesting, like they are such different energies, but with these lines and with these planets in general in astrology, you know, both of they, they have all lines have a good side, you know, and a, and a challenging side. They all serve their own purpose. They are all trying to nudge us along sometimes more gently than others into kind of, you know, living up to what we actually can be and what we actually can do and how to step into our, our fullest potential. Some of them care more or less about how comfortable we are going to be while we're kind of doing that stepping in. But Saturn is, um, yeah, I mean, the shadow sides of Saturn, you know, a Saturn line can be kind of more isolating, more lonely, more restrictive, um, and more feeling, you know, more feeling like kind of having to deal with karma and lessons that come up in that kind of area. So you mentioned it was on your um descendants that would be more related to partnerships with other people Mm -hmm. um you know romantic but also just general general relationships but Saturn can also be incredibly valuable for also stepping into our authority and kind of owning our power as well so you know if you want somewhere where you're kind of craving that you need that structure you need that routine or you want a situation to be resolved once and for all then Saturn can be can be valuable um yeah I was living um I was living on Vancouver Island in Victoria and that's where my Saturn line was going right through there and my experience was um I can't remember if it was on my I have a feeling it was on my midheaven um up there I can't remember off the top of my head so so that would be more to do with work and my public, um, you know, my public, uh, what's the word? Yeah, you know, how, pe- how people, yeah, exactly, how people perceive you in the, in the kind of public eye. So for me, it felt very, um, it is a place where I felt cut off, which is funny. I mean, it's an island, right? It's, it's not the easiest place to get to in the world. You've got to take a ferry to Vancouver City or another kind of flight. Um so I did feel quite alone. Um, I had some extremely difficult um, lessons that came up. It's where I actually got married to my now ex-husband. Um, so, you know, there were definitely a lot of lessons when it kind of comes to that. But equally, it was also the place where I kind of got serious about my um, India travel business, ironically, and kind of really put a plan in motion and really started to see you know, what kind of questions people had, what kind of help people needed when they were planning trips to India and what role I could kind of play in that. Um, And that's kind of where I kind of kicked things off from and it was going pretty well until COVID came along. So, um, so it's interesting. So I guess that's also something I would invite people to consider that, you know, there's no such thing really as a good or a bad line. It's all just different, different kind of shades of, of the energy that's available. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, the way that one of my teachers had described Saturn and Jupiter was when you master the challenges of Saturn, you can live Mm. the blessings of Jupiter. That's a beautiful description. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't necessarily want to be experiencing challenges right now um, where I live because I feel like with COVID, everything has been a challenge. Um, but so <clears throat> because I was my, gonna, I was gonna add, sorry, go on. Uh, so because my um, Jupiter, Saturn and Jupiter are in the gate 46. In, in the Gene Keys, the 46 is the shadow of seriousness, mm-hmm. which is very Saturn, I think. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And <laughs> the gift of delight and the, um, <laughs> the, um, the city of ecstasy. So because I also have this 46 in my purpose and things like that um, in, the, in the Gene Keys, I... I feel like I'm really here to transcend that seriousness <laughs> mm, Wow! And, and to really double down on the, the ecstasy and delight. So it's so funny because, you know, I'm in paradise and you'd think it'd be like really easy to embrace that ecstasy and delight. <laughs> um, and so, I, yeah, it, it's, I think that, because I'm here um, during this time. And um, it's, that's where my Saturn is. And I I think it's just where I'm meant to grow and maybe master that challenge (laughs) so Mm. that I I can experience the, the beauty and the, the, the blessings of the Jupiter, which is in the same line. So it's kind of, it's just, it's crazy how that works out well and so that you can help other people heal the same thing right with your car and on your midheaven yeah we talking about before we jumped on this call yeah. um because that's the thing that many of us have this belief that we have to be serious this um you know feeling that we have to work through the seriousness before we can find the joy and the ecstasy it mm. feels very pr- it feels very present for for women and, and men too um at this moment definitely there's um you know according to the shamanic school of astrology you know such a thing as a saturn complex which you know can be said to exist when people have basically a lot of hard aspects to saturn in the in their natal chart for astrology mm-hmm. um i have a saturn complex i have a huge saturn complex i have saturn square my moon and conjunct pluto they're like within two degrees of each other so so I got so I feel you sister on that and I got that memo (laughs) too um so but you know the shamanic uh kind of way of looking at it is you know they they kind of call it a cosmic joke like there is actually the you know a school of thought around you know the cosmic joke around Saturn being that it is all kind of nonsense it's basically our but it only becomes nonsense once we can kind of see it for such. It's like this little destructive voice. It's our inner demon in our head, which is like, you're not good enough. You haven't done this right. You know, you're never going to win at that. You're never going to be what you want to be. Kind of this endless kind of dialogue of, of kind of self-criticism, which is not necessarily our fault. I mean, it comes from so many different places. So I don't mean to be any kind of, I don't mean to also make light of it. It's, it's a, it's really challenging but once we kind of get that it's not real and we actually are perfect and lovable and complete just as we are right now um you know then it kind of it kind of lightens um 
So I found that very empowering to to read. But so yeah. maybe that's also maybe that's also why I was on my Saturn line. I don't know. <laughs> um, it's yeah, it's interesting to kind of look back on it. I mean, there's a reason why we end up in these places. Mm. So, and we're also drawn to them. I, it, yeah. it seems to be like it seems to be that we are drawn to the places that we have lines going through. Mm-hmm. That's what I've observed. So what if we have a line that's going like right through the middle of the ocean? <laughs> yeah, I have loads of those. Yeah. So most of most of my um, power spots, which are you know the, the the they're basically the exact position of the planet um, at your time of your birth. So most of mine of those are over water. Um, yeah. So it's interesting. Um, the Sagittarius in me kind of wants to charter a boat and go to that place and see what happens. Um, <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> I think the one, the one where I don't, I think Pluto is on land for me, but it's like right over the center of Brazil, which is not a place I've been. Mm. Um, I think there. also Saturn is over land. I think it's over Peru or somewhere, which is also not a place I've been to. But yeah, the rest of my... Um, power spots are over water and I don't have a particular view on it um I don't have much water in my chart my natal chart from astrology um that's kind of the one element I'm sort of down on I would say but some astrologers believe that um when you have a lot of those power spots over water in in astrocartography it can kind of be a sign that you're from you know, maybe you have connections to Atlantis or you're kind of from one of the underwater kingdoms and things like this. So, yeah, yeah, there are various, various things. So is, um, is, so there's like Atlantis and there's Lemuria, right? That's um, Lemuria. Yeah. Tell me more about that. I don't actually know that much about it, um, but I've, I've heard a lot of references to Hawaii being kind of where Lemuria might have been. <laughs> Interesting. I'll have to look up more on that. Yeah. So I, um, I have the, do you know, do you know Rebecca Campbell? She has written several books. <laughs> You're has- kidding me. Oh, this is why I love these conversations. So before we got on this call, I got out Rebecca Campbell's Rose Oracle deck. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm holding, tell me about I'm it. holding up the book right now for Corinne to see. <laughs> I'm in love with this Oracle. Do you have these cards? No, I, so I was going to say, I have the work your light. Um, ah, beautiful. On mm. the, on my phone. And I did a, oh, wow. an 11 card spread on my phone. And I was like, I need to just order this deck. Like I've had this, <laughs> this app for like years and I have never ordered the deck. So I ordered it like yesterday, but yeah. I was, I was like, should I get that one? Or should I get the star seed or the rose? Like, I'm, and so I asked my friend, which one she liked the best. And she said she'd never gotten the rose. So I'm curious what you think of it. <laughs> they're, they're amazing cards. I've only been working with them for I got them, of course, during tourist season. <laughs> um, <laughs> my tourist stellium was very happy. Um, they are amazing. The card I pulled for today for our call was, um, I don't know if you can see it properly. It's uh, the Rose Garden. Oh, okay. So, what does it say? 
it's this beautiful image of water and trees and this woman kind of rising from the waters with um, the rose petals kind of unfurling and the mm -hmm. keywords on it are innocence, forgiveness, and be gentle with yourself. And the message for the card talks about being compassionate with ourselves and that it is kind of full of um, symbolism with the Garden of Eden mm -hmm. and that it was not like things are not our fault and that we were not thrown out of the garden because of anything that we have done. So um, I'm actually going to read to you from the from the thing if you would like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they're so beautifully um yeah I wish those of you listening could see the designs they're so beautifully designed roses have been calling me for a while now um yeah so um rose garden. and I find the messages are very soft like you know some decks have cards which you you really, let's be honest like you really don't want to get yeah totally um, yeah <laughs> it's like no and you know that maybe like that card will have like I don't know a ragged corner or something but like no no not that card <laughs> um or just the messages are like maybe a little bit more confronting but the messages in in the stack are pretty gentle so the message for the rose garden is you're holy and whole you're innocent and innately good you're wholly welcome here you never got kicked out of the garden none of us did this card delivers a message of welcomeness, of returning to our innocence. If you feel as if you've done something wrong without knowing what you've done, if you feel ashamed about hurting someone, if you're finding it hard to forgive yourself, this card is gently calling you to release any shame, judgment or bad feelings. To do what you need to do to let go and make amends. To remember that you're human. And as a human, you're here to learn and grow. And so is everyone else. You're not broken. You never were. You're a work in progress. We all are. You're learning and unlearning. We all are. Be gentle with yourself and in turn be gentle with others. Return to your humanity, your humanness. Remember that you were never perfect. Remember that you were never perfect, and being human is not about perfection. Grow and learn, but do it softly. You have goodness in you. Remember that and cherish that. And cherish that in others too. We're all doing the best we can. When we learn, we can choose to do something new. Commit to learning and doing better each and every day. This is what it means to be human, to embrace our humanness. Without it, we deny the shadow, and it's through facing the shadow without defense that we can learn and grow. Embrace your humanity, and you'll find it easier to embrace others and the whole world. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's awesome. It feels like a more... Hmm, I'd love to know what's coming through for you, but um, what came through for me when, when just kind of reading that was it's like a more loving version of Saturn. It's like kind of the antidote to Saturn almost. Um, you know, in, in not being the hard taskmaster and not being worried about getting things right all of the time. Yeah. There are some, there are some astrologers who have said that Saturn used to actually be a feminine planet in really? some ways she is the wise crone teacher yeah 
it's like wow. kind of a more a more loving energy that kind of has this holds us up to where we need to be like doesn't allow us to be small and helps us to kind of step into I guess our sovereignty mm. so she's like the mother that kind of I'm I'm picturing like the 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 mother that kind of man like rules the house <laughs> mm. like, keeping everyone kind of like holding everyone accountable to their, I don't know, greatness, maybe, or something. <laughs> I'm picturing like how that would look for me here um, from a, a more empowered perspective of the Saturn. Uh, I love it. So That's when beautiful. you when you read the card what really stood out to me was the word innocence was that the name of the card or the name of the card was the rose garden but innocence was one of the main words yeah yeah and um i saw something recently about um you know we're kind of in this this revolution, this feminine revolution and women are embracing their sexuality and, um, you know, not, we're being kind of called to, to not feel ashamed of it and to let it be revealed and shown without, you know, feeling shame for doing that. And I, I really, I, I love that. And I see a lot of, um, women showing up in a more empowered way in their sexuality, uh, especially on social media. Um, and, and then, and I feel like that's been going on for the past few years, um, which is, it's great. It's being normalized. And I saw something not too long ago about um, a returning to innocence in our sexuality um and so it's kind of like showing up in it's it was such a a a difficult topic for this person to approach because there's like the innocence as far as um how we're how women are kind of like meant to look you know we're Mm. meant to kind of seem passive or you know as as, according to the patriarchy of course (laughs) yeah um to seem kind of passive and innocent and like un, un um, tainted, I guess you could say. Um, and so the opposite extreme of that is, is totally innocent and, and empowered in our, in our, 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 our sexuality in a, in a more outward kind of way. Um, so it, it was such a delicate topic for this person to approach, but she described it as something as as far as like remembering that it is such a nat- like sexuality is so natural and innate that it's like just letting it be like allow yourself to be in your innocence as far as your sexuality and instead of feeling the need to like um 
burn everything down in the path. <laughs> mm. If that makes sense. And <laughs> as far as like burning everything down in your way to like expressing yourself outwardly, it's just kind of like a, a being with, with the sexuality and like a very like curious and sweet and beautiful kind of way. There's, there's like nuance to it. I'm not sure if I'm describing it properly, but when you, um, when you said that, when, when you were reading that description, the innocence popped out to me because it, it made me remember that. And it's kind of like, just like a part of our humanity, like Mm. being, being sexual is just a part of being human. And there's, um, there's something just so sweet about it and powerful. It's both. (laughs) So, yeah, I love that. What came up for me when you were saying that, I mean, yeah, it's such a super tricky topic to talk about. Um, so I love that these conversations are starting to open up around the world. Um, but yeah, it feels like, I mean, to say it very crudely, you know, there's always been this kind of Madonna or, you know, like complex yeah. and trying to oof, navigate through that and um but when you were speaking about innocence, kind of what came up for me was, you know, stripping away the, the commercialism in a way, mm-hmm. the sort of tainting that has been attached to women's sexuality and that sexuality is never inherently like bad or can never really be judged as as one thing as innocent or not innocent it's just life at its most basic nature it's life yeah um for me I connect it very much to the earth as well um it's something I've been kind of journeying with through the Taurus the Taurus archetype which is to be embodied to revel in pleasure to allow ourselves pleasure uh which i think has been such a huge taboo especially for women you know the world is not designed for women's pleasure right um we're not allowed you know we feel guilty if we have too much pleasure yeah we're we're greedy (laughs) we'll be we'll be cast we'll be cast out of the garden for seducing men Mm. but in its empowered um you know, and it's empowered form, the archetype of Taurus and, and Venus kind of as the ruler of Taurus in its earthly form um, is about healthy pleasure. Not that we become obsessed with it or allow it to take over, but it is part of life and also healthy receivership as well as women. So, yeah, I loved what you said about innocence. Yeah. This... Um... All of these these keywords here, um, pleasure and innocence and 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 Taurus being like earthy, you know, I feel like um, this is just a huge theme of so in my human design chart, all of these things are like at the top. <laughs> mm. um, so the 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 forty six is actually. Um, connected it well it's in in libra 
so it's also the divine feminine um beautiful but it's connected to the 15 which is where my um conscious son is and that's uh that is basically like the the deep heart of like the earth the 15 and the love of humanity Mm. and so that's so libra (laughs) right yeah right it is yeah um yeah and so it's 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 just um interesting to have these conversations because I feel like in conversation it really grounds it down into my heart into my being because I tend to intellectualize a lot of my chart sometimes and Mm. And so I'm like, what am I supposed to do with all of this? It's, it's like, it's a lot. It's, you know, what we find in our charts is so powerful. Uh, they're in whatever way it shows up for each person. It's like, whoa, it's a lot. And, um, and so I think being in conversation and seeing all of the like ways that things relate or there's like overlap, it's like, wow, okay. It, it's not something that I can put words to. It's just something that I can feel. Mm. You know what I mean? I do. Yeah. And I feel the same, especially as a, um, as a reflector, which is still a journey that I'm kind of uncovering. Um, you know, I, I provide the mirroring in some ways, but I also need that bouncing, that dialogue with other people. Um, yeah. And it's especially powerful with non-sacrals, um, you know, so projectors and manifestors to, to uncover the truth, right? Yeah. <laughs> to get deeper into, to see clearly, I guess. Mm. Just to kind of like give a little bit of insight because I've never talked to a reflector on the podcast before. Um, like when did you find out that you were a reflector and what did you feel about it when you found out oh goodness okay um when did I find out it was pretty recently um I want to say maybe two and a half years ago or something so really recent I was fair I was you know always a lot more comfortable kind of with astrology and (laughs) I was always a little bit skeptical of sort of like things that were sort of downloaded by one person. Um, But, you know, people were talking about human design. Um, A healer I was working with at the time suggested, you know, looking at, she said, oh, I think you're probably a generator. You like getting things done, right? So I was like, okay, cool. So then I um, pulled my chart and I was like, oh, (laughs) it's all blank. Like, what do you mean? Like it's all white, no completely defined channels, no inner authority, <laughs> strategy, wait a lunar cycle. What the hell? <laughs> um, <laughs> but when I started reading, um, so I'm so my aura type is reflector. Um, my profile is a six two, and my. Uh, cross is the oh, I always forget if it's left or right but it's the uh, 
cross of incarnation. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I started reading, I was like, oh, now I get why I have basically felt like an outsider my whole life. And I also get why I am traveling and why I'm helping others travel because I am traveling the world looking for the right environment for me, mm-hmm. aka home or somewhere to, um, you know, rest. And I think, you know, and that's also a reason that really kind of directed me to uh, astrocartography as well, because I felt so powerfully that, you know, even for all types, not just for reflectors, um, you know, environment is, is so important. So, but it felt overwhelming. I thought, you know, how, and it still feels overwhelming on many days when it just becomes apparent on t- to the extent that the world is not designed for reflectors. Um, and we are at the turning of the ages. I think things are changing. Mm-hmm. but it is um it kind of feels like you know people also don't really know what to do with reflectors they're like oh my gosh you're so special you're like the one percent and then they don't know what else to say <laughs> it's like okay great anything else you've got <laughs> you know yeah. just put me on a beanbag in the corner and <laughs> you know <laughs> so it's interesting and um yeah what else to say about it um I think for me, what has been the most liberating is kind of learning, learning. So it, it has made me understand why I was so drawn to working with the moon. So we we met through um, Kate Northrop's work, right? So mm-hmm. learning, um, you know, learning about how to implement the moon cycle into business, how to, you know, really honor our bodies and kind of work as entrepreneurs in a in a way that mirrored our own cycles and in a way that was kind of more do less. Um, and so I didn't find out until after I'd started that work that I was a reflector and reflectors to make decisions that suggested that they follow the lunar cycle of 28 days to experience the moon passing through the different gates. And then at the end of it, understand kind of how that feels. So in that part of it, I mean, unrealistic as that sounds, I mean, obviously if I'm thinking about what to have for dinner, then I don't need 28 days. But um, for major decisions, like when I was, so when I had made the decision to go through with my divorce, I was trying to work out um, where to live, like what to do with my apartment at that time, because it wasn't really feasible for me to keep it. It had a lot of stories and energy um, attached to it. So at that time, I was really doubling down on my own astral cartography. Um, it was also still mid-COVID, so it wasn't really possible to go across the world. Um, so with that kind of situation where I was trying to work out what to do, I found it very empowering to kind of come back to the reflector strategy. And the biggest piece for me was kind of giving myself permission to take my time in making a decision to know that it's it's okay that I don't know the answer today. Like, you know, like, what do I feel today? Okay, it's this. What do I feel tomorrow? Okay, it's this. What do I feel the third day? And then so on. And then over the kind of periods of time, and it probably took me three months, probably three three lunar cycles to work out what to do. Yeah. But it was, um, 
yeah, I felt permission to, to kind of do that, um, which is really liberating. You know, it really is. And I think, um, even non-reflectors could really do well with that, that strategy (laughs) Mm. (laughs) because we're so just the way the world has been, like you said, it's not really, it's not built for reflectors, but it's, it's not really built for anyone that's, um, you know, not a manifesting generator, I think. (laughs) Um, but we're, so we're kind of in human design, we talk about like this change from going from like splenic kind of living, which is like very quick in the moment now to more of like the solar plexus, emotional solar plexus kind of living, uh, which is like riding out the emotional wave and seeing how you feel after things have leveled out. And I think like with a moon cycle, you can kind of go through all of those, those emotions and those changes over the 28 days um, or several cycles. And then you can get, you can be more level-headed or feeling, feel more grounded after that time has passed versus like having that fight or flight, fight or flight response. Like right now, let's make this decision now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I know that for me, I really, I feel much better and more grounded in my decisions when I have time to integrate. And I have integration circuitry in my human design, um, but it's not emotional. It's not, it's not like I have this, this big emotional wave and I have to wait until that levels out. It's more just like, we're, we're changing. Everything's changing every day and everything, you know, everyone is receiving the imprint from the moon changing, like three, going through three different gates, like every single day. So, um, maybe it's just like the highly sensitive nature of being a reflector or being, you know, um, a projector myself having, uh, such so much sensitivity, but I think that we can really, I think most of the world can really do well with slowing down and feeling into things allowing themselves to feel consciously into things rather than just reacting. Mm. And we're kind of taught to do that. We're, t- we're kind of taught to like be quick on our feet about things. And, and it's been seen as an asset to be able to do that. Uh, but things don't tend to work out for me when I do that very well. I have like, you know, like buyer's remorse and things like that when I'm like, oh crap, like I have to like f- figure out if I want this by this deadline that's tomorrow or two days from now. <laughs> and I'm like, shit, like a week later. <laughs> mm. Because it's like, you know what you need, right? Yeah. But it feels like a, feels like we're reclaiming the feminine energy in that process of in that way of being in that way of making decisions mm-hmm. which has been yeah which is which we've been told we're not allowed to do we've got to be hyper masculine to survive yeah yeah 
And I think we're also told like, don't let your emotions get in the way. Like that's a, I've just heard that a lot. That very phrase, like, don't let your, don't let your emotions, you know, get in the way or think logically. Uh, Yeah. So I think with the Gemini in my chart, I'm like growing, I'm learning how the intellect has ruled so much (laughs) Mm. my life. You know, I'm, I'm like at the tail end of a PhD program (laughs) right now. So there's a lot of intellect. Um, but I'm, I'm really just trying to move out of that, but I think the, what's beautiful about being a reflector is, is the, the sensitivity is the, the, the being able to feel or to be in tune with things. And I think like with you being a Taurus, like I've noticed with you, especially like your boundaries are incredible. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Because, you know, I've, I've met some reflectors that, um, they, they have, they're not in the best of environments or they, they feel a lot. They're, they're feeling a lot of, um, I guess, negativity from those around them or where, wherever they're at, like places or events are happening in their lives. And, um, there's just kind of a learning curve with the, the boundaries and like being intentional about what they allow in and feel and what they're sampling from and the influences that they have. And so, I know that even I have had that problem. So it's not just like a reflector thing, but seeing how as you as a reflector could have, you know, these, these things um, to how you could potentially be at the, like the whim of these things. I don't see that (laughs) in you. I feel like you're so um, intentional about your energy. Oh, thank you. I'm so grateful to you for saying that. But (laughs) I mean, I would say that um, it feels like an open center thing. I don't, you're the human human design expert. um, But yeah, it feels like, well, from a personal standpoint, I will say that boundaries has been one of the toughest, uh, toughest initiations of my life. Um, Yeah. I definitely come from a place of, you know, recovering sort of overgiver, codependent, um, because the wound, the core wound of a reflector is not being seen, seen and heard. Mm-hmm. So there's almost this kind of like, and people obviously experience in different experience it in different ways. It doesn't apply to everyone, but but then what happens in my experience is that we then try to give more of ourselves, give more, give more, give more. Like if we give just a little bit more, will we then be seen and heard and get the love we crave? Um, but ironically, the more we do of that, the more, the more, you know, we get removed from our own place of power and realize that actually it's much more powerful to really own our uniqueness and not really fitting in um, and let people come to us when they are, you know, because the right people who are ready 
you know, can see, can see you. Um, once we have also accepted who we are <laughs> is, is yeah. kind of my journey with it. But um, it's so interesting. Yeah. The other thing that came up for me is when you were talking about the um, intellectual side of things, like one of my favorite things about um, Aquarius moon is, <laughs> it's, uh. this is not, these are not my words. I believe it's Jen Rassiope who says this. Like one of her descriptions of Aquarius moon is like, you love to think about your emotions rather than feel them. <laughs> Like it's so much easier to think about our emotions and feel them. And, you know, I just, I don't know about you, but I mean, <laughs> that rings so true for me. Yeah. So then along comes, along comes Scorpio full moons and eclipses and you're just like, oh damn, this is not going to cut it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And what else? I mean, I, I can't remember who said this. It's, again, I can't take credit for these words, but the longest journey we'll ever take is from our heads to our hearts. And I believe there's a lot of kind of wisdom in, in that. Yeah, that's so true. Definitely. Yeah. And what you were saying about this, the Aquarius moon, um, is that specific to Aquarius moon? Because moon is, you know, emotional and Aquarius is okay. Yeah. 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 Aquarius is the Aquarius is the opposite of Leo. So Leo is the self. Aquarius is the community. Um, the collective. So Aquarius can be a little bit aloof and removed, kind of on the shadow side. And um yeah, moon because moon represents our inner emotional, emotional landscape. So the moon tends to represent your your emotions, your feelings, but also also your relationship with your mother as well. Yeah. Okay, that's right. And I I used to I side note, like I came from when I was living on the mainland, I lived on my moon line. Mm, beautiful. <clears throat> how how was that for you? So and I think I read in my astro cartography that I might experience like a healing process with my mother on my moon line. Uh, it's just funny because my mom lives on my moon line. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, and it definitely was, it was not easy. It was kind of like, I, I had moved there. I had lived there for about um, a little less than two years and at the beginning it was very tumultuous and very um very shadowy to say the least and then toward the end it got better a lot better it became more neutral and now it's more nurturing and so um that what it said about possibly healing my relationship with my mother there was definitely accurate i'd say mm yeah yeah moonline it can be a it can be um it depends really on you know what a person's going through what they are looking to kind of focus on what 
what they're kind of learning at that point in, in their life um, can be, it's, I don't want to say challenging, but it can be one of the more complex energies to work with because, because of its nature. Its nature is that it's constantly changing, like the moon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they say the moon card in the tarot is one of the most complex cards to, to understand and to really kind of master because <clears throat> it can mean that things can be a bit erratic because they're, they're in flux all of the time. It's not, you know, if you want your routine, your nine to five, and you just want to go and do your, you know, business or, you know, kind of have an easy life, it's not necessarily the, the easiest place to be. Um, yeah. But it is about connecting us to our emotions and can bring about immense healing as well and can connect us to, to the shadow. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I would say I, w- I definitely did go through many different phases of that moon <laughs> while I was there. And it was very emotional. Uh you know, I, I don't think it was a coincidence that it was at a, it was kind of near the end of me completing this seven year cycle. Um, it was when I was kind of processing um, being in a very like emotionally abusive relationship, marriage, <laughs> and then getting a divorce. And so, and then moving back to Hawaii. And so it was like, all the emotions that I had felt and all of the, just the stuff I had to process. It's like, I just like brought it there and it just like everything revealed itself. It like came to a head, (laughs) like the full moon phase was happening there. (laughs) And then I just, I, and my best friend passed away. And so all of the, and COVID, like it was just kind of interesting that everything like that happened while I was there and all the intellect that I tried to rule my life with was just like, it couldn't take it anymore. And so mm-hmm. it's like, I describe it as like the, the rock that fell and like broke the dam and like all the, <laughs> everything came flooding out and into my life. Wow. <laughs> so it was a very, in a, in a really, I mean, intense um, but also positive way. I'm glad I was, I was able to, I was, I was glad I was able to have that space to, to process all of that and to get it, to feel through all of the emotions that came up around such intense mm. situations. Yeah, for sure. That's not to say that anyone who lives on their moon line is going to experience that intensity. (laughs) I don't want to scare people away from that. (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing. And if you're living a, you know, a cyclical existence where you're really looking to tap into your emotions to create from that place, um, you do want to do some healing with your emotions. And yeah, it could be, you know, it could be a good spot. Um, Yeah, what you describe about the, releasing of the emotions in a in a smaller way feels like what's been happening to me since this since this eclipse it's just yeah. like it's like no the walls have got to come down this mm. will no longer do so and I think and I think I sorry go on no I was just gonna say I think we're pre, we're 
experience that you know, experiencing that on a collective level as well mm, yeah yeah for me I think kind of the thing that made most sense one of the things that I read just a few months ago um on the reflector stuff was that um reflectors are here to f- to feel the transits mm-hmm. um and I found that so um empowering personally um because people obviously feel things in different ways um you know people will have such different reactions experiences and you know some transits people feel some people uh, maybe don't feel them so much I can imagine the same is true for you know many types and you know with open centers um but yeah that for me kind of just was like this big aha moment of like oh this is why I'm like (laughs) feeling these things so damn much um which is can be very challenging on a day-to-day basis but I was like okay now I understand so that I can kind of connect more deeply with these uh with these archetypes with the medicine I guess really yeah yeah I love the transits I I think that I I see the human design chart as more dynamic rather than just static like Mm. who you are (laughs) so because of the transits I I feel like we can change our charts we can we're changing all the time everything's changing all the time the feminine you know that's the feminine Mm. um so you did such a beautiful solar return chart for me it was amazing oh they, yeah yeah okay. and it was interesting because it mirrored the astrology solar return chart pretty closely so like you oh, know, really? similar well I think the yeah so I think this year I'm a Leo rising instead of an Aquarius rising and I think in the solar return chart it was um I think the aura type was manifesting generator mm-hmm. from right so yeah. it felt like there were some similarities but um yeah it was beautiful yeah just so um we know everyone right now i i I believe everyone right yeah everyone right now is a manifesting generator because Mm -hmm. of the transit yeah (laughs) yeah and last year um between i think it was between july and january of this year um because of the north and south node um we were all manifesting generators so every every baby that was born between july and and january oh wow was a manifesting generator yeah that's huge that's (laughs) a lot of that's a lot of uh yeah cool energy Mm -hmm. do you feel uh i didn't actually feel like super anxious or anything um i know some some people like some projectors that I was talking to were saying that they because they don't normally have that energy um in their blueprint did you feel that way or did you notice that at all for you that's an interesting question um I didn't notice it's hard, right? Because I feel like there's so much general anxiety in the collective right now for, for different things. Um, 
but yeah I can't say I noticed that especially my, for me kind of with tracking the transits what I noticed most is when my sacral is defined by the transits versus undefined like suddenly like I can tell when we hit a generator or manifesting generator transit I'm like oh that to-do list let's get on it yeah <laughs> uh, whereas like I literally haven't been able to face it for you know <laughs> for like days so that I feel very distinctly when my sacral center is defined but I haven't um yeah I haven't pinned it down with the with the throat connection with the there are different ways people define it right so there's the 3410 channel for manifesting generators but there's also different types as well right so yeah, the 3420 is a direct line, yeah, uh, direct channel from the sacral to the throat. That's yeah. That's the only one that's direct like that. Yeah. Yeah. Which is actually, they they say that um, the 3420, when someone has that in their chart, they might tend to be a little bit like a projector. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Which is really strange because I feel like <laughs> I feel like manifesting generators and projectors are like complete opposites um, <laughs> uh, but because of the 3420 being it's a it's like one of the most powerful uh, channels in the chart but it's also very grounded and um observant versus mm. like more extroverted and out there um i'm not sure how else to describe it but it can also experience like because there's so much power it can experience cycles of fatigue and um if it's not expressed in healthy ways there can be a lot of burnout so that's probably why they say it's a little, it can have a little bit of like projector energy because projectors can kind of um, take on a lot of energy in their open centers and then not know that it's been enough. And so they don't stop and then they burn out. <laughs> mm. um, so, so yeah, when you're not expressing those, that energy in a healthy way, when you're defined and you're showing that you're a manifesting generator, like during a certain week or transit or whatever, um, it can express as itself as anxiety. Interesting. Okay. Mm. Yeah. So like not to put you on the beanbag chair over there. <laughs> <laughs> I want a beanbag now. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do, I do see reflectors as just extremely wise in such beautiful ways. Um, so if there's anyone that's listening and they're a reflector, um, do you have any like words of wisdom for how to, I don't know, just work with being a reflector? If not, it's okay. I was just. The first, um, yeah, I think the first words that I would say would just be trust yourself. You know, like you do know within you. 
and trust the cycle. Mm. Um, it feels like as you know, it feels like we're all being kind of like challenged to surrender in a way, like not in terms of um, not into passivity, but more into our. You know, if you believe in having a kind of co-creation relationship with, you know, the goddess or whatever kind of greater power you might kind of feel connected to, um, kind of feels like we're being called more into that place of trust and surrender. And it kind of feels like for reflectors, that is kind of like up a notch because, because kind of that... Um, you know, the external things that we can rely on are, how to say it, they're less there. Um, so it's more, it feels more about this kind of journey of really kind of trusting, trusting ourselves and knowing that we do know. And um, yeah, the other piece would be, um, would be on environment, like choose your environment. When I found out I was a reflector, I was in an abusive marriage as well. Um, I was in a place that was completely unsupportive um, in so many ways. And so, yeah, environment, it, it really matters. But it also takes time to, to fix. So, yeah. Yeah. It's all, it's all okay. Well, the good thing about um, astrocartography is... <laughs> you can see what kind of environment might be more supportive, right? For sure. For sure. Yeah. I, I feel that that's kind of why I was drawn to it. <laughs> so on somewhere on some level. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's the beauty of it. Whether you're looking to, you know, whether you're looking to move, whether you're looking to travel somewhere, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. The energies are there waiting for you, mm -hmm. which is super cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, I think that's like a perfect transition into what you're doing right now. I wanted to share before we jump off. Um, and so right now you're doing soul travel Oracle readings. Right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, um, and so you have a special going on from now uh, to June, is that right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so after, you know, I'd been kind of getting uh, hints and nudges to do these for a while, I finally kind of uh, accepted that I do want to offer these and um, have had really great feedback from people. So what I offer is a 40 minute reading with me. We look at your astrocartography. We also do some um, tarot or oracle as well with different decks, kind of depending on, you know, what's coming through, depending on what questions people have. Um, so, yeah, and we will um, focus on, you know, so it's really for people who are, you know, have a question about how to how to work with the lines where they are, if they're curious about what lines there are where they are, whether they're contemplating maybe shifting to a different place, whether they're contemplating, you know, going on a trip, um, can be anywhere in the world, really kind of looking at your astrocartography, seeing what's kind of in store for you. And if there are, you know, it can also help answer questions around 
if there are you know places that have felt really good and places that haven't felt so good and is it a good idea to kind of go back to those so yeah I'm happy to to give guidance on on those things um the special it's uh, 88 dollars for a 40 minute reading with me live um we do it on zoom so yeah I'm offering that for June the price will be going up after that um so definitely use the link I think Corinne you've got the link but it's just mm-hmm. soultravelindia.com forward slash oracle and it can be for anywhere in the world um so yeah if you feel called if you would like to know more I would love to speak with you Awesome. I'm definitely going to get a reading with you. (laughs) I'm so excited. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) It's uh, yeah, it's so great. Just kind of like having that dialogue and having that conversation and, and, you know, I guess kind of generating answers together and uh, on what's in store. Yeah. Yeah. We can look at, see where my, what's going on for me in Greece. I'm I'm interested in learning more about that. (laughs) What kind of, cards you pull around that (laughs) I don't know why Corinne but I have a feeling (laughs) within the next two years you will be on a beach in Greece somewhere (laughs) yeah I I think I will too (laughs) (laughs) there we go let's see (laughs) all right well thanks so much for being here and having this conversation with me it's been so awesome to connect with you again Uh, likewise it's been such an honor I'm so grateful for you know your time your energy the work that you're doing in the world you really are a gift yeah so grateful to have you in my life and thank you so much for inviting me on um yeah yeah, it's been great thank you all right so I will share all the links um in the show notes and just for quick reference Ellie is at soultravelblog.com and soultravelindia.com right Okay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And the readings are at soultravelindia.com forward slash oracle. Okay. Awesome. If you guys are interested in astrocartography, if this conversation piqued your interest, which I'm sure it has, <laughs> definitely go there and get a reading with her. It's I've worked with her before and she's she's just so good. Uh, the your depth of knowledge uh, around astrology is is impressive. <laughs> So, um, thanks so much for being here again, and, um, we'll see you next time on the next episode of the podcast. Bye.